Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the TOVG Podcast. My name is George Weedman, Jimmy's name is Jimmy, and we actually have a great friend of ours on here today. It's uh, Chris Franklin of Errant Signal is in here with us. Hello. Hey there. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if, if people know, but Chris does a show on YouTube that has heavily influenced mine that everyone loves called Errant Signal. <laughs> And um, we met up at GDC, and uh, we're, we're we're good friends, right? Right? Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> we had we had like party time. We had taco burritos, and then is wait, that real? No, um, I mean, we let's say food. sushi burritos. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say. Well, <laughs> taco burritos sounds like the fakest food you've ever made up. It 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 sounds quite doable, <laughs> so, really, though. Sounds but, redundant. Okay, and now in San Francisco, there's this restaurant that serves um burrito-sized sushi rolls. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. They, like, roll it up and it's the, the, the size of a burrito just full of rice and raw fish, and, um... I don't know. It was it was good. okay. I, I, yeah, it was. It tasted good, but it kind of fell apart. You know. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm not sure how I feel about that because, like, kind of the pull of sushi for me is taking that like one perfect size bite and just kind of savoring yeah. it. But that sounds like like indulgent food <laughs> where you're taking like a mouthful bite and being like, oh, like I don't know. Part of the problem is that it, it's it is basically a downtown San Francisco lunch spot, so it's very much to go, and we didn't have oh. anywhere to go, so we oh. ate it in a park without any like place to put the put down the canisters or anything. So we're just like taking a bite, and it's just falling all over our laps, and we're just going, oh my good sushi, and it was good, but it was really messy. Yeah, oh, God. I, I guess, but that's like the appeal of sushi, right? It's like a very elegant, artistic presentation of food, <laughs> right? And right. Um, this was like. The literal definition of Americanization. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Ah, uh, all right. I mean, anyway, like the only well, the like the only time I've seen that work is like, have you ever had like a um, like a seared ahi tuna burger? I, oh, those can be good. I those, have not, like, but I can picture it. It's like, it it's like in that vein where it's like Americanized, but. There's like wasabi mayonnaise, and it's just like a thick slab of of tuna, and they like it's really minimal for a burger, and it's it's like as close as you can get without making it like too far. So I don't know. No. Well, anyway. Yeah. Um. Here, video games. here on the TOVG <laughs> podcast, we uh, like to inform and entertain our listeners about uh, food. Yeah. Every every week. Sushi. So so yeah, but that that was food we ate months ago in March. Um. How has your weeks been this week? Um, mine's been uh, mine's been pretty all right. I've been playing a little bit more Pokemon. After uh, I, I'm not, I'm sure you guys didn't watch, or I guess I don't know <laughs> if you did or not. But the Pokemon World Championships were this past weekend. Yeah, I saw that happen. I didn't watch them, but I um <sighs> like read up on the headlines and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure anybody who like was on a news article site that day, like Sunday evening or Monday morning saw the like like you won't believe what pokemon won worlds like the the buzzfeed art you know headline <laughs> what and we can learn from pokemon <laughs> oh god uh but yeah it was like uh the the winner of the vg or like the video game masters division was from south korea and he brought a pachirisu onto his team which is like a little squirrel pokemon and it's like if you saw it in like a competitive scene you'd be like oh this like this kid what is this jokester doing and then it like carried the team and like did this incredible underdog like movie worthy victory and (laughs) 
so yeah, it was just like a really inspiring thing and like all of me and my Pokemon friends like, oh man, I want to train up a team for that style of play and stuff. And it was, it, yeah, it was really cool. So that's what I've been doing. I'm surprised that Pokemon has competitive events actually. Like that was, yeah, that was the one bigger that caught too. me the most off guard. Cause I, if I remember right, like Pokemon was really, really grindy and stat driven. Is, yeah. is this Pokemon the card game or Pokemon the electronic game? They had uh, both at the at the World Championships. They have uh, six categories. <laughs> they have the training card game, junior, senior, and masters, and then the video game, junior, senior, and masters. So yeah. So does everyone play their Pokemon at like max level all the time? And um, there, there's like a they have their preset rules. It's like um, any Pokemon over level 50 will be reduced to level 50, and it's essentially you bring everybody just brings level 50s is like what you do. And okay. of course, like all the competitive guys have them IV trained and, you know, is, is right there, moves is and there everything. a time limit for each player's turn? Um, I don't think so. I think there's a, a match time limit. I'm not sure if there's a turn time limit. Huh. I don't know. That sounds that sounds like you could um, exploit or strategize it by maxing out your turn. If, if that would be something that you could <laughs> spend to your advantage. I don't know. It doesn't seem like that kind of competitive thing where like many people who would want to do some sort of exploit like that would be in there. But um, I don't know. It was really I, I at least caught that very final match, which was really hype. And uh, all the all the vods of all the finals are up. And I think I really need to get around to watching a couple of the other ones because it was pretty cool, especially for a Pokemon fan. It was like super cool. But yeah, I, I just like to hear the inner monologues of the players, like. <laughs> remembering how how back when Pokemon was really silly and new in like 1999 <laughs> just just like I want to see them confront their parents and be like I told you mom yeah seriously um Chris how was your week um mostly uneventful uh, I've just been slogging through watchdog so that's been my oh, that's God. sort of oh, been my boy. week I'm oh, sorry oh jeez well I mean it's not like I guess it was worse when it came out because of the hype, but it uh -huh. was just like, for me, it was kind of mediocre-ish. It uh, just got annoying with a few major issues as opposed to, like, everything being wrong. Mm -hmm. what, what are you thinking of it so far? Uh, I, I, I don't like it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm writing up a thing on it now, so that'll be up, I hope, this weekend. But, mm. um... It's it. I, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not a big fan of, of Watch Dogs. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I I remember the whole while I was just kind of having this this inner vision of how awesome it would be if the game played like a Deus Ex Human Revolution in sandbox mode, or just like how many more interesting things they could do with this concept by by slowing down the action or um ramping up the interactivity with the world that didn't necessarily involve shooting things because it's that um we were talking about this a few mm -hmm. weeks ago about the dominant strategy of like in bioshock infinite like just shoot people in the face you don't really need to worry about the the vigors right that's what yeah. they're called because i was uh -huh. about to say plasmids and watchdogs deals with that same issue where it gives you a bunch of cool alternate abilities but the uh the upgrading system and the um, just point-and-click cover shooting doesn't really doesn't really let them. Yeah, burst it just through. gives you like a definitive right way to do things, mm -hmm. while yeah. also presenting options that you could but don't really have to care about. <laughs> uh, really, it feels to me like the game could have been more cyberpunky too. Like mm -hmm. it's this weird thing where it's like almost cyberpunk but not really. <laughs> it's. Yeah, oh gosh. I noticed that too from like the very beginning of that first trailer where he walks into this weird, abstract, smoky bar that looks nothing like normal people, but then walks outside and it's like the normal ass city of Chicago. <laughs> but it's also plastered with this high tech cyberpunk surveillance state stuff everywhere, but when you look at it, it looks okay. Well, it's, it's just weird because, like, on one hand, you have a bunch of really normal Chicago stuff. Like, oh, it's Chicago, and there's normal people who live here. And then it has stuff like the Fixers, which are, like, combination, you know, freelance hackers and assassins. And I'm I like... <laughs> I still don't understand how seriously we're supposed to take the Fixers. 
Well, I mean, they're they're like the primary goons you shoot the whole game because they're the ones that just sort of swarm. Like, anytime the game decides it needs an action segment, it basically just swarms you with those guys. Like, oh, yeah. somebody called some fixers. They're going to come in and try to shoot you now. And, and that's, mm. yeah. So, so those are like really super militant nerds. <laughs> yes, they they are like, yeah, they they no. are hackers who are like ready to throw their lives away for for a paycheck. I and and supposedly like you are one too. Like that's the context of the multiplayer mode is you signing on to fixer contracts to go shoot some other player. So so which side is Aiden on? You know what? You know the moment that the game utterly lost me? Okay, it wasn't the moment the game lost me. I'd already hated the game at that point. But the the moment (laughs) where I wanted to throw my controller down in disgust was the very, very end of the game where it's unveiled that basically this is a superhero origin story. And I just wanted to throw my (laughs) controller across the room at that point. Is it when he discovers the Batcave? Did you beat the game? Did you go through the yeah, story all yeah, the way? Yeah, I got all the no, way through it's, it. No, it's, it's when it's like he's giving his grand speech at the end of like, I'll always be there to watch them, and if necessary, punish them. And then it does oh, the wow. Watchdogs logo, like it's the freaking bat signal over the city, and I'm like, oh my god, they think this is a superhero game. Yeah, yeah, well, I was getting that motif, a lot of it, but like, it, it was strongest for me when he finds the bat cave. Like, it literally is a bat cave. It looks like the bat cave, it, it smells probably like the bat cave. You know, and, now that, um, <laughs> now, oh, now that you point that out, th- that is exactly what it is. Because they, they're like, oh, it's just a hacker bunker. It's a really cool place with a bunch of tech. But no, you're right. It's basically the Super Friends Cave. It's a place where all of his friends meet, and it's a safe house, and there's all this cool tech there, and they can monitor the city. It is basically the Bad Cave. That's a really good way to put it. He, oh, he sees crimes happening on this wall of monitors, and then he gets into a vehicle and races to the scene. And also, like, he talks in a grumbly voice to people who don't care as much about fighting crime as he does. It was... I I, I think Aiden is a um, fairly fairly strong analogy of a weak Batman analog. My, a weak Batman analog. My, my favorite thing about the, the Batcave is when you say, like, oh, you see a crime and you get in your vehicle and go stop it. The only vehicle they give you on that island is that stupid SUV. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to get out of this cave and go into my, my giant Humvee and run over bad guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how that's how you fight crime. You find someone committing a crime and then run them over. <laughs> well, but that's what the game encourages you to do, right? Like, there's uh, all the crimes that get committed. You can shoot anyone who basically is guilty of anything as low as, you know, uh, purse snatching. And, and your answer you, is... Go ahead. It, no, it gives you reward points for it, but it does try to incentivize non-lethal takedowns by giving you more report, more points for it, but it doesn't necessarily punish you for it. And the thing that weirded me out was that it doesn't punish you for stealing cars. <laughs> so you can witness a purse snatching and then, like, toss someone out of their car and race after the snatcher. And run him over. Well, it, you, you'll lose points if you run him over, but stealing his car is okay by Watchdog mm-hmm. standards. Oh, great. So weird. I'm glad I didn't play that game. I, but it, like, I feel so conflicted about it because sneaking around is is fun. It's just um got a bunch everything else in the game tacked on to sneaking around. I I didn't enjoy as much. <laughs> I just wish that the the hacking was a bigger part of it. Like I, I mean, we already covered this, but it does feel like it's just sort of this superfluous side thing to the main combat, and it just. I really wish you could actually solve problems through hacking instead of just like, okay, I can explode a dude's grenades and then back to gun shooting, and that's mm. completely uninteresting. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the great contradictions of the older, like, FPS RPG style games is that in order to incentivize your secondary abilities, those games, like, very fortunately have bad gunplay. Like, um, <laughs> when you're playing Deus Ex or System Shock, well, Deus Ex is unreal, but, um, like System Shock 2 is on the dark engine from mm-hmm. from Thief, and it was not built to have hit scan projectile weapons. The uh, they are designed to be really slow because they would um, cause players to have a FPS spike. They would mm-hmm. cause lag because the engine had to render every projectile as its own like object in the world, and it was mm-hmm. it was a big performance hit. So um, in order to have the player not rely on shooting as a crutch. 
like they just kind of took advantage of their limitations and made the shooting awful unless you spent a lot of time investing into skill trees and points that that made it less not necessarily less awful but more uh practical they basically mm-hmm. just up the damage that you could do and and the accuracy cone and um like a very very linear sliding style things but even then like shooting wouldn't feel good enough to actually play it like like as if it was a first person shooter right right it, it made it viable in the sense that your guns didn't immediately fire fall apart after two firings like in they would in the beginning oh, of the game yeah yeah system shock 2 was infamous for for its breakage it's like, I don't think gun manufacturers in the System Shock world would be open if you could only fire one clip and then the gun is just a giant hunk of metal in untrained hands. Gosh. Um, but you fix that by downloading a patch to your brain that uh, that makes the guns de- decay less. It's it's kind of a leap of logic, but I guess a little bit. video games have those. They have leaks, leaps of logic. So, um, oh, sorry, what was that? I actually just wanted to uh, say, I think you were telling me a little bit before the cast that, uh, uh, George, mm-hmm. that, Chris, you played PT, correct? I, I played through about half of it myself and then watched someone play through the entire thing, uh, except for actually getting the ending, because that is uh-huh. just the most impossible puzzle in the world. <laughs> did you, uh, what did you think about it? Um mixed feelings I guess I really really love the atmosphere I mean it's first of all it's absolutely gorgeous I don't know if you guys right. have seen some of those pictures but it's yeah it looks it looks amazing um and it it was nice and spooky I mean I'm I'm kind of a wimp with that stuff but mm-hmm. uh I really 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 enjoyed it it had really great atmosphere it was nice and spooky it didn't fall into the trap of more recent Silent Hill games where it's just sort of like and then zombies shoot them and, <laughs> you know that didn't happen um but the, some of the quirkier aspects of of the uh, of I don't know I don't know whether to blame Hideo Kojima or or not or if it was just sort of the result of being designed as this viral puzzle for people to solve. But right. it getting to the end, like once you've once you're there and and you've sort of quote unquote finished the demo and you just have to unlock the Silent Hills trailer, uh-huh. all of the fear goes away because it's literally like walk ten steps. And then wait for a baby to laugh. And then when the baby's laugh is done, you're going to hear a noise. And it's a scary, spooky noise. And that's going to tell you one of three places in the hallway you need to go. And then you need (laughs) to zoom in and stare at this thing. And then maybe you need to talk in a microphone. And maybe you don't. But then the ghost is going to show up if you chose the right one. And then maybe based on a random number generator, you will get the ending. And Right. It, it. I couldn't get it to trigger, unfortunately. Yeah, I, um, I actually, uh, a couple of guys in the office played it for uh, Super Beard Bros for their show. And... Yeah, I, I, from what I know, they like played a little bit to try and get the ending to go after they uh, finished playing on their episode, and uh, they weren't able to get it either. And there was like they were like looking up tutorials on how to do it. And I guess like somebody claimed that like there was if you get this video of Hideo Kojima saying, "Did you write it?" <laughs> looping for like a minute, and you play it into your microphone, it like triggers the end or something. I think. I think you just have to have some kind of noise going into the microphone while you look at the phone. Right. It's like something like that or something. I don't know. Which, in that case, like, as hard as that is to figure out, that's a really cool thing. Like, I think it's supposed to be, like, they want you to, like, scream when they're when they're playing your, when you're playing their game and, like, that triggers things to happen from the microphone. I think that's, like, a cool concept. I, I just had a crazy thought. Hmm. What other games have non-optional require microphone input from the player besides PT which is like this cheap or free demo downloadable thing (laughs) and The Legend of Zelda on the original Famicom where you had to scream into the microphone to blast out the bunny ears I completely forgot about that Yeah, I just now remembered it because they're taking it back I don't know, I think the Xbox version of Manhunt had you um, use the microphone for some weird gimmick thing that got enemies to turn around if you wanted them to. Are, are, I mean, oh, go ahead. Are we allowed to include things like "Hey, you Pikachu" and "See Oh, yeah, say. yeah. Maybe it's not such such a. Well, no, it's that's still uncommon. Like, what is that? Like a, a six year gap in between <laughs> microphone talking games? Well, I mean, uh, there's "Hey, you Pikachu." I remember. Was it End War? 
or something. Oh yeah, where there was they that tried... game on 360 where they tried to do like full voice commands and, and it, it was like it a didn't army really RTS. Work. Yeah, it like it was okay. It didn't. It wasn't great. It was very like basic though. It had to be so basic for you to be able to do that stuff. It was like squad one go here. It was like nothing like as in-depth as you could just be doing with, like, a mouse and a keyboard. Yeah, at but, which point um, is it even faster than doing right. it with buttons? I know that the DS and the 3DS had a lot of, like, little microphone things that you can do. There was a couple games, like, I think WarioWare, like, there was a lot of, like, little bits in WarioWare where you have to, like, blow into the microphone or, like, scream into the microphone or something. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, things like that, but I don't know. I can't think of any specifics. Anyways, mm -hmm. um, unless unless there's anything else you guys want to say about PT, um, I have another fun-looking Japanese upcoming horror game that uh, <laughs> that we could be ready to talk about. I'm ready. Okay. Um, well, this week a lot of Gamescom stuff kept happening. They released a lot of uh, long long trailers. I don't even know if they're trailers so much at this point when you're past the past the six minute mark, but um. It seems like a lot of companies have looked and listened to the positive reception of Nintendo's E3 showing and are just, like, distributing raw, <laughs> really, really long gameplay demos mm. rather than than um, not, which could be right, the alternative. Rather than, like, teaser trailers and, like, yeah. pre-rendered stuff. Yeah, longest of them all I saw was The Evil Within. And um, this stuff I actually try to avoid. I did not watch this 77 minute of The Evil Within <laughs> that came out on Gamescom. Yeah, I know. Jeez. But um, I've I've seen some of it before, and I guess it kind of uh, I feel so conflicted about this stuff because I don't want to watch it because it'll spoil it. Uh huh. But um, at the same time, I guess I kind of have to if I'm going to be able <laughs> to effectively talk about it and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventy-seven minutes of the Evil Within are now out. It looks. Uh... <laughs> I've, I've seen some parts of the game that look like a legitimate survival horror game with like mm -hmm. shitty controls and um, overpowering enemies. And I've seen other parts of the game that made it look like a shooting gallery. Right. And I guess if they're trying to harken back to Resident Evil 4, then juggling between those two different types of set pieces and laying them out in a exciting way of pacing is going to be going to be the primary challenge. But you can't like look at stuff like this and not think about I, I don't know Silent Hill Homecoming and how Fear easy two. yeah like how easy it is to turn horror games into not board horrifying games. shooting galleries oh horror games <laughs> chore games snore games okay that happened to um, Dead Space so fast too man like yeah. in three games like I know a lot of horror fans don't like Dead Space 1 that much but it at least had Dead Space 1. Silent Hill or not Silent Hill it at least had System Shocky horror roots and then by the third one it was like you want to play Call of Duty in space with a little bit of horror yeah. and it's like with a not, friend yeah with the a friend whole, the whole way through yeah, I, I don't know. I like you said a lot of horror game people don't like Dead Space. I'm not really a horror game guy. I love Amnesia. Like Amnesia is like my favorite horror game. Like, yeah, without a doubt. And Amnesia is totally a legit one. Right, and I like Dead Space, the first one at least. I don't know. I had a blast because I, I mean, I think it might be because of how I played it. Because I just like sat down and like turned it on and played for 12 hours and just beat it. And just like at home alone, all the lights off, and just like one playthrough. I did it with just the plasma cutter, and so it was like this cool challenge. And I don't know, I, I liked it a lot. I thought it used like a lot of cool elements that weren't. It's like it's it's like not just jump scares. It used a lot of cool things like the the like regenerating necromorph that can't die, like. And you have to like cut his legs off to slow him down, but you're wasting ammo, and you have to like yeah. do puzzles while he's crawling up to you, and you have to, you have to like use more ammo to slow him down, but then you like screw yourself over later if you don't have the ammo. It's like that was like real fear, and I thought that was really good. But then like, and as opposed to something like Fear Two, which I did the same thing, I played in one sitting, in like twelve hours, just sat there and played it. It was like, like okay, walk into a room, uh, spooky, creepy ghost stuff happens. Uh, walk outside, shoot some some guys in gas masks. I, I back still inside. get really sad when I think about the Fear franchise. Um, <laughs> it's I don't such know, a I never, weird franchise, too. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I never really played it for the horror so much as the gunplay, though, when the first game has some of the best gunplay in uh, across the whole genre. But um, uh -huh. the second one, like, it was... 
it was a visual downgrade almost. Way yeah. less shit flies around the room when you're yeah. shooting in Fear 2 than in Fear 1. And, like, granted, the, the baseline quality of assets improved, but there was so much uh, that they lost for effects for some reason between those sequels that it uh, kind of ends up impacting the gameplay to a weird point. It doesn't feel as good as the first. Yeah, there was only really like one or two moments from Fear 2 that I look back on and I'm like, oh, that was really well crafted. There was like one where you're, you go into like, it's like a kitchen type of area and there's only one light and it's flickering like really, it's like strobing almost. And like half of the times when it strobes on, uh, Alma is like walking, but like half the times when it strobes on, she's not there. But then like when it's dark, you can see like these ghosts that you have to be like fighting and so it was this weird like like super contrast like like lights on almost there lights off ghosts lights on almost not there lights off ghosts and it's like but it's happening like really fucking fast and i don't know that that was like the one part that stood out to me everything else was like whatever and the ending was awful i i remember it getting <laughs> really really weird in the ending it, it's, it's i like i it ended and i was like did it like what and then like my friend was like did that just did that just happen and I was like I think that happened I think I don't even know and I had to like look it up later to make sure that I wasn't like not like that wasn't like that I was like sure of what I just like experienced so okay I guess like spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't played the fear franchise but the fear franchise gets dumb at the yeah. end of the second game so yeah. the third game the continuity like is is Alma supposed to be a, a child or a grown up in that one, or are they like, are there different ghosts of her manifesting as either one depending on the mood and like, what what happens to the baby? It's like an episode of Ghost Maury. <laughs> oh man, what what a thing to be compared to. <laughs> okay, anyways, you know you know what horror game no one what horror action game no one talks about anymore because it was terrible. Is Clive that? Barker's Jericho? Oh my God! What? Yeah, <laughs> was that a it, horror game? I, in the loosest sense of the word, I guess. In the same way that uh, Undying started as a horror game and became a shooter, we people forgot about Jericho super fast. And I don't know if have you guys tried to like go back and play Undying? It it didn't age I've tried to re- super well. No, it didn't. I remember it being like <laughs> the scary game, scariest game I ever played. But I was like twelve when the game came out, and I go back and play it now, and I'm like. This is the worst thing ever. It really is really terrible. I don't... I find it hard to remember what people saw in it, because I didn't play through it until past its prime. Like, it's it's usually pretty easy to, to tell, to, like, give a game a nostalgia test by just playing it. Like, if, if it mm-hmm. still holds up well, then you can play it for the first time at any time and have fun. But I tried to play through Clive Barker's Undying around 2009-ish, uh-huh. And it uh, it didn't it didn't work it didn't didn't do it for me. Yeah, I, I played um, the demo of Jericho and that was all I wanted of that. Yeah, I'm looking over the Jericho wiki right now, and none of this sounds like a thing that I'm interested in at all. Um, it's so, kind of uh, like okay, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 you, you. I was just gonna say it's it's kind of enjoyable if you really like bad games like if you really want a b game to play like oh a real boy, b favorite. game like because it's not one of like i know a lot of other people cover like bad games like you can go on green light and find something that's like half baked half finished and make fun of it jericho mm-hmm. is a complete game it's done it's just terrible and that's what i find so amusing about it is that it's like it's got multiple characters it's got voice acting it's got cutscenes, and the result is just the most Ugly, creepy-looking, not fun to play. <laughs> sniper with a psychic ability to change bullet trajectories. All that stuff. Oh, just no. speaking of snipers with psychic abilities to change oh. bullet directories, that's a uh, kind of sort of what's going on in Quantum Break. Mm. I don't know that's how interested segue. you guys are in in Quantum Break, but the first two Max Payne games are some of my favorite games of all time. I think the writing uh-huh. in them is brilliant. I didn't necessarily enjoy Alan Wake so much, but um, I'm still interested in seeing what those same guys do. And it looks oh, like you know what? I liked that? Alan Wake. Oh, 
Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not saying I, I hated it. I just no, no, uh, it, you just like made me remember the fact that I played a game called Ellen Wake one time and I liked it. It's just coming into uh, it from the expectations of of Max Payne, which I thought were brilliant. It just, um, I guess, because of me and my preferences ruining the fun, I ended up wanting something out of it that it necessarily wasn't. Right. Well, anyways, Quantum Break is a third-person shooter, which shouldn't necessarily surprise me, because that's what all their other games were. But Uh it did surprise me because it wasn't really advertised as one until now. Mm. Now the game plays out. Um, It's a third-person cover shooter with uh, magic powers assigned to an offhand alt button. That, that mm-hmm. sure sounds less special than what they were marketing it as originally. Because um, yeah. remember, remember that E3 presentation from last year, or was it the Xbox One reveal? Some big gaudy event. They um, announced it alongside a TV show that they were going to be tying in, and they didn't show gameplay so much as just um, like a CGI of the characters panning around investigating transdimensional crime scenes <laughs> in the future of the days that have passed. It looked weird. Yeah. It looked unusual. Yeah, it does. I'm looking at some screenshots and stuff. It didn't look like a third-person cover shooter with magic buttons. (laughs) But but we'll see. We'll see. I guess I um, don't know what I expected, but it's it's not quite what I expected. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like like I said, I liked Alan Wake, but I played it briefly. Um, I never got to finish it. I liked the idea of the game. Like, I liked how it controlled and everything. Um, as far as a game that seems to be an action shooter, though, and not more of, like, a horror, I don't know if I would like the same general idea and control. I guess we'll see, though. Um, well, I, we probably won't see because I likely won't play this because I'm likely never going to get an Xbox One. But, you know. Well, it might... It might be not likely to remain exclusive forever. Like, that's what they were saying about Alan Wake. Like, they uh, originally marketed it as cross-platform, and then all of a sudden changed changed course to make it exclusive to Xbox 360. But then they decided, no, um, let's release it on PC a year and a half later, and (laughs) the world still turned. So, Chris, I remember a, um old spoiler warning show about Alan Wake. Did you guys make it all the way through the game? Amazingly, yes, but uh, <laughs> you, it would not surprise you to know that by the end of it, we were talking about things like what we had for dinner that day or mm. what we saw on TV lately. Sushi burritos. Exactly. It, it was <laughs> like, it's it's an interesting enough game that's probably about, I don't know, to three hours ish too long, and at that point, the combat has well overstayed its welcome because every single encounter is shine the flashlight same. on guy mm-hmm. and then kill him with bullets. Shine flashlight it, it on guy. It amazed me. Every single enemy encounter has a little cutscene showing the enemies running into the stage. Oh, that's right. Like that was annoying. Every every single one of them. If I if I do remember it correctly, it's been a while. But though, I mean. Let's be real here. That part where you're on like the the like rock band stage and you have like the that, search the spotlights and there's like a cheesy rock song playing while you're spotlighting crowds of zombies or like darkness people was pretty funny. That's that's what I started to not take it seriously. Like after coming from Max Payne, I was I was wanting to take it seriously, but the game yeah. kept trying to be more cheesy and and, and dumb than I wanted it to, and that's. I, I mean, like, the first tip-off to not taking the game seriously should have been when the game is about, like, dreams, and your character's name is Alan Wake, A. Wake. Well, Max Payne has a cheesy name, and and it's cheesy and stupid and silly, but it's also... But Max Payne was created, like, forever ago. It 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 was created in the time of cheese. And I I guess I was a young, impressionable child when I discovered (laughs) some of the best best writing in the dumbest genre possible. But anyways, whatever. (laughs) Um... Quantum Break. I'm guessing it'll be more like uh, more like Alan Wake than Max Payne. So yeah. I don't know. I, 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 as far as Alan Wake goes, I like uh, American Nightmare because that's like I two and a half hours. One. It's two and a half hours, and it it toys with the the sort of mythos and and actually has an interesting villain. Unlike all of Alan Wake, it still has the crappy <laughs> combat, but it also actually has the open world more or less that Alan Wake didn't have. So, mm. um. So in uh, 
Crytek Desperation news. They have announced mm-hmm. that Rise Son of Rome is coming out for PC. Oh, great. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh we're all we're all <laughs> looking forward to that one, right? Like no. this is a game that almost tanked the company, like among a few other failed projects, but um I'm wondering it, it was like touted as an Xbox One exclusive next gen experience. It looked great for a few levels, but mm-hmm. who's who's the market here? Like it's been out for a while. Who's um who doesn't know that Rise is a bad game by now? <laughs> I, I guess just when all you have is a Roman legionary, every problem looks like a barbarian horde, I guess, is the only way I can interpret this. <laughs> it's a matter of perspective. So wait then, is um is that an analogy for Crytek when when they perceive themselves as as Roman warriors who are capable of super high-tech inventions beyond the the I, I don't know what I'm trying to go here, but, right. <laughs> but let's say that um they have some barbarian hordes they need to stimmy off and releasing anything for everything is their solution. This looks like this looks like that happening. Yeah. I don't know of anybody off the top of my head that cares that Rise is coming to PC. It, so it the, I guess the problem is it, it doesn't as a technical endeavor, it's good, but it's not amazing. It, it's not like no one's going to buy this just to show off their new computer. It's not that good looking, but right. it also plays terribly. It doesn't play like a God of War. It plays like <laughs> right. a quick time event. Like the but combat that's... is closer to Assassin's Creed than to God of War. And it's just sort of like at that point, who cares? That's that's the yeah. thing about tech demo games. They never play as good as they look unless it's the first half of Crisis. <laughs> the first half of Crisis 1 is pretty darn great, but like Doom 3 was it didn't feel good in your hands. Um like what else was there? Oh, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell. That was that was a tech demo game of the previous gen and it it played okay, but they don't really move fast ever. That's that's the thing I notice about tech demo games. Mm. Cuz they can't cuz they're going to be um dropping frames every now and then. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying um, to think of some Nintendo tech demos off the top of my head, but I can't think Yoshi's of Yoshi's Island is, is is a surefire one. Star Fox. Oh, really? Yoshi's well, Story. Tech demo? Yoshi's Story. That, yeah, yeah. No, Yoshi's Story still looks really, really great. Uh, it's It's got, got a low-res uh, poly or low-res texture thing going on, but it does look good. I Wait, am I thinking great. of Yoshi's? With, there's Yoshi's Island, and then there's Yoshi's, Yoshi's Story. Yoshi's Island is on the SNES. Yoshi's Story is on the N64. And the N64 Yoshi's Story, it looks okay, but I remember it looking kind of blurry. I might have been saying with... the wrong Yoshi this whole time, then. Because uh, because what, yeah. what I'm thinking is Yoshi's Island. Yoshi's Island is the one on the Super Nintendo. Right, right. And and they don't really do that whole tech demo thing anymore, because um being high-tech is no longer one of Nintendo's priorities. Yeah. <laughs> uh anyways, um <laughs> Wasteland 2 has uh had a release date announced for September 19th. I'm looking forward Ooh. to that. <laughs> I think um Chris Avalone is going to be at Dragon Con and I might I might be able to to push him aside to talk about Wasteland for a while, but he wrote a few chapters of that game and um he was a stretch goal, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. If you raised up, like, I, I'm thinking it was $30,000 for Wasteland 2, they would have Chris uh, Chris Avalone come on the bills for a few chapters. Hmm. So it's really inspiring. Well, I guess inspiring. It's more like a relief to see these um, big Kickstarter super anticipated games finally start to have release dates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Wasteland 2 and um, Pillars of Eternity. I guess Tides of Numenera is going to come out next. A bunch of Star Citizen stuff was released during GDC. Uh, did you guys see any of those trailers? I did not. No. I, I Star oh. Citizen is impossible to keep up with because every time I glance back at it, they've gained $30 million yeah. and a completely different set of goals. And I just I <laughs> gave up a while ago. In the time <laughs> it takes to listen to this podcast, Star Citizen will raise $1.2 million. <laughs> um, but they released a few trailers during Gamescom that I guess I kind of had meh, weird mixed feelings about. I watched um, three of them. One of them uh-huh. was supposedly 
about the game's first-person combat mechanics, okay. and it was a nothing trailer. It was like a minute long of a um, cinematic camera flying through a combat scene without anything actually happening from the first-person's perspective of anyone. Great. So, um, but yeah, they, they they have a FPS engine tacked onto the game for uh, for shipboarding activities, which could be really cool. But this trailer was a nothing trailer that showed none of that. <laughs> Another one was um, supposed to showcase the game's racing challenges. Apparently, you can you can race people, and um, it just showed a flyover of the course, and it was <laughs> it was objects floating in space. It didn't really look like a inspiring environment well, to behold, but that's what it was showcasing. I, I really wonder what, what the impact of this is going to be, or by this, I mean the ongoing crowdfunding, because I mean, 15, 20 years ago, if you look back at um, postmortems of games, feature creep was a big, big concern mm-hmm. and games either never got released or got released in halfway broken states because planned features didn't make it or things got cut. I wonder or what things this just gonna... didn't balance... Exactly. And I wonder what the, this is going to do, because, like, I recently picked up uh, uh, Elite Dangerous, the, the alpha, uh, early access of that, which is yeah. another... And I'm looking forward to that one. I just don't want to play it while it's early access. Uh, mm-hmm. But the thing is, it's, it is played. Like, I've actually played that game. I, I've sat down <laughs> and I've flown across space and I've shot down guys, and it's got good parts and it's got bad parts, but Star Citizen keeps promising this mountain of stuff and nobody can play any of it. No, no one has seen any of it. It doesn't exist yet. It's 40 or $50 million at this point of promises and they're willing to take even more money but they haven't delivered anything yet and it's just Mm, it's weird that was like that is emblematic of the experience of me watching this fps trailer i was like oh cool one of the game's more um unique features that still features a very conventional gameplay style can um finally they can finally show how that works and no they really didn't they just it was (laughs) i'm gonna start calling these things nothing trailers i don't know maybe i need a smoother name but there's so many trailers (laughs) out there that just exist for the sake of existing like that trailer was was a reassurance that this feature is on their minds, but not that it has been implemented or developed upon in yeah. a significant capacity. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, what's next? What's next? Resident Evil Revelations 2 has been announced. That's funny. <laughs> the first one was okay. Exactly. Exactly. Why was this announced, but not Resident Evil 7? Um... I mean, like, after RE5 <laughs> and more specifically RE6, uh, I think Revelations 2 is a smarter marketing move than 7. There, I mean, is, there is something rotten in the state of Raccoon City, and uh, for some reason they don't want to keep going to Bat Mythos. They want to push for the, side, the spin-off series. But the spinoff series feels more true to the roots than anything from mm-hmm. the main series at this point, which is the weird thing. Yeah. Like, and that's I, what makes this announcement hilarious. Like <laughs> Revelations one, I I, in, uh, I can't say I enjoyed it that much because it didn't really do anything for the formula, but it at least stuck to the formula. Where like Resident Evil, I mean, we've gone over this already <laughs> in the show, but you know, a lot of horror games tend to become shooters at certain points. Yeah. And, and you know, the camera didn't, like, get caught up all over the character's shoulder and butthole every four frames, and you, <laughs> it was it was controllable. <clears throat> all right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a, uh, not a huge Resident Evil player. I tried out five briefly, which is not the one I should be trying out. I, I know that it's, four it's is the one I should just go and play. If you have a friend. Otherwise, five is boring as hell. Yeah. I had a friend and it was boring as hell. Oh, um, well. <laughs> see, this is this is what people are complaining about and uh, why they have to make Resident Evil Revelations 2. God, that's such a cumbersome name. Like that yeah. is that is a sequel to like a derivative generic sequel name. Yeah. Revelations 2. Revelations 2. They should make that Revelations like a Origins next. Reference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Resident Evil Revelations 216. <laughs> Revelations Reawakening. Oh God. Revelations Chronicles. Resident Evil the Revelationing. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> We've reached max capacity here. We have to stop for a commercial break or else we're gonna reach a uh, subtitle overflow. <laughs> 
Thanks again, and don't forget to feed the cat and water the plants. And trash goes out on Tuesday. Okay, goodbye, Kirby. You're the best. Kirby, not so good at house sitting, but really good at inhaling waddle dees. Happy 20th anniversary, Kirby. Hey guys, Alex here from That One Video Gamer in the Decks. Just letting you guys know about a few things. Firstly, the site is being revamped right now, so that's why it's down. We got hacked a few weeks ago, and we're cleaning it up and making it better and making it look better and making it easier to find things, so that's going to be done in about two weeks. Secondly, That One Video Gamer runs a Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash thatonevideogamer. As of this weekend, we're updating it with new rewards and a lot more cool stuff for you guys to get in return for supporting us a little bit, so head over to patreon.com slash that one video game to check it out and stay tight you guys speaking of resident evil <laughs> the uh an hd version of the resident evil remake has been announced for steam and consoles i think it's going to be running in 720p for last gen and um 1080p for next or current gen depending on what you want to call it and pc uh-huh. And this has me super hyped. I guess I really shouldn't be, but this is the GameCube Resident Evil. This is this is the the best one almost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure people would say four is the best one. Well, yeah, but as, like, I mean, the debate. Right? This is this is the best of the classic ones, and it feels weird even saying that because it was it was a remake back then of them trying to uh, change the tone of the game to something a bit more blue, gray, and serious as opposed to red, brown, and crampy, campy like in the first one, but well, if no, it's... I, the, the original, like, if you actually compare them, someone should do a video on this, one of the two of us, um, mm-hmm. uh, should we do a video on the, on the divergence of Resident Evil from its roots, because that first time it goes off the rails, it goes off the rails with, like, nemesis and crazy giant biological experiments that are all goofy, and then the next time it goes off the rails, it's like this grimdark action shooter, and it's just really weird how those, like, two different divergences, like Code Veronica and all that stuff on the Dreamcast, and then we had to, like, scale that back with this, the original GameCube remake, because we want to say, okay, no, 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 we're going back to our roots, we're going back to horror... Differs from the way they're doing it now, I guess. From, from we're like, okay, no more action shootery. Now we're going back to Resident Evil One and Revelations. Yeah, it's it's roots though. Like even then, the original 1996, I believe it was Resident Evil number one, is a radically different tone than even the remake of that same game. Like you can just look at the box art. Like it looks like box art for Doom. It's um. <laughs> Like a, an Evil Dead motif. It's super duper campy, way more campy than even by Resident Evil standards, which is like <laughs> a, a nine out of ten on the camp scale. And um, so I can't remember about the GameCube version of Resident Evil. Did it include the original FMV cutscenes of live action actors doing horrible things? No, or? no, no. It was Aww. a CGI um, opening cutscene of a lot of the same events. But like, that's what I'm saying. Like, they aren't going to seriously go back to their roots and actually make another live action FMV one because that would just be getting too close to its roots um Mm. resident evil remake was kind of a a reboot of the series to redesign the characters and the art motif into something that they ended up carrying over to resident evil 4 which rebooted the gameplay into a radically different thing that has kind of degenerated up to this point but but this is a uh hd re-release of remake which means it is the remake remake great (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm really looking forward to talking about this thing in the future because I get to say remake, remake a lot when referring to the 2015 version as opposed to the 2002 version. But it's yeah. also called Resident Evil, so it's the re-remake, remake. Yeah, oh, it's boy. it's the Resident Evil remake, remake, re-release. <laughs> oh, God. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Cause, um, I'll actually... I, I'm actually... <laughs> interested because mm-hmm. this gives me like a, a current platform to play something that like is something that I should play you know according to a lot of people oh um, you should you should it's really good I, I guess I will I will though I will wait for the probably George's impressions of this <laughs> when it comes out so that I can see if it's like true to the 
unremade original well, so that I know if I'm getting the real experience. The it, 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 doesn't, experience. it doesn't have to be true. It just has to be good. And, and the GameCube <laughs> version, the GameCube remake of Resident Evil is mm-hmm. like the de facto pinnacle for me at least example of survival classic survival horror tank controls gameplay and um it's also the swan song of pre-rendered backgrounds my god that game looks gorgeous and i'm really mm. wondering if they keep the original like vector or high resolution whatever files they have at capcom for those backgrounds because if they do it's gonna look incredible in mm-hmm. 1080p and it also might be like 80 gigabytes but we'll see um <laughs> But yeah, you don't get pre-rendered backgrounds that look that good anymore, and they work really well in the game, and you don't get, um, like, fixed camera angle tank controls anymore, and it's one of the few games where it works really well. There's good reason why you don't see that a lot anymore, but Remake is, um, just, just a fine example of it all coming together in a, in a cohesive and accessible way, unlike a lot of the other earlier Resident Evils, and my GameCube's all packed up in a dusty corner on a shitty TV outside of the living room right now i could totally go for playing through that again like yeah. like if i could if i could pick it up for for a cheap enough price like i guess 30 dollars is is how much i'd be willing to lay down on playing through remake on a super high-res pc version as opposed to the classic gamecube version but i i could do it i could do that easily yeah i i, I look forward to doing that like i'm about <laughs> as excited for this as i was when i saw that they were um making the new HD version of Resident Evil 4. Actually, I'm more excited because technically that was a really weird release because there was already a PC version of Resident Evil 4. But, um... Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 a rabbit hole. Let's, um... <laughs> unless there's anything else you guys want to say about Resident Evil, I guess we can move on to the next topic of the docket. Uh, go for it. Go for it? Okay, um... There was a big Steam update last week. They changed mm-hmm. the, the skin, a few of the, um... The color scheme is all different. Mm-hmm. A few of the icons are different. A few buttons have been displaced. I don't know if you guys have noticed a lot of that, though. I haven't. No, I, I did. I yeah. really like it, actually. Oh, okay. Because um, I still don't know if uh, I really know the changes yet. Like, I literally have not had time to play video games at all this week. <laughs> I just had to read books of video games instead. But um, I, I've been on Steam literally one day since this oh, update wow. patched, and I could not really tell the difference. But, um,. Behind the scenes, apparently, there is a big difference. They Mm. added in new support for new app types. You don't see this stuff on the front end, but on the back end, people who have dug around back there found that they have um, new categorical listings for film, TV series, videos, plugins, which is a thing, plugins, I guess, and music. So um, the implication, the... It's it's totally hypothetical right now, not officially mm-hmm. announced, but the implication is that Steam's going to try to compete with, um, you know, consoles like usual, I guess, really, at the point of things things are at right now, for yeah. um, delivering non-game media. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I mean, like, if you look around, you could find certain things that are non-games on Steam. Like, I know there's yeah. like a... It's like a do your taxes program or something. Yeah, they have organize your life software on there for. Yeah, and they have like indie game the movie is Mm -hmm. available on Steam. So they've done this stuff before, right? But it was like, it was like one off stuff. Like you don't Mm -hmm. see like Pirates of the Caribbean on Steam (laughs) or anything. Yeah, which would be weird. I mean, yeah, I could see it working out though. Like, I mean, like, just look at it from a marketing perspective with what Steam has been doing over the past year, two years. With, like, the trading card things now. I mean, like, Indie Game the Movie has trading cards. So now, like, all your favorite movies now with trading cards. And then if you watch Pirates of the Caribbean for an hour, you get a Jack Sparrow trading card. And then you watch it five more times and you have all the trading cards. And then you can trade those with your friends to up your Steam level. And then it's just going to make Steam revenue go through the roof again and again because every transaction of those trading cards like sold or bought with money they get a cut of it mm-hmm. and i mean that that's just and that's just like one thing one small thing like i don't know man it could be a scary road for them to go down I, especially I, with music i oh sorry i was just gonna say i don't know if they uh, if they're actually really that interested in going down 
the path, the, excuse me, the path of actually like getting a bunch of licensed stuff. Because a lot of this stuff they already kind of do. I mean, they already have movies with stuff like Indie Game the Movie, and there's one or two other films on there. Um, you know, music, they have soundtracks from lots and lots of games. They already have lots of this stuff. And I'm curious if they're just sort of coming up with a better way of arranging it, arranging those things separate from games rather than trying to expand into those. Like, I don't think I, uh, Steam's interested in competing with iTunes, is I guess the way right. I want to say it. They're, they're interested in selling you game music or game movies, mm-hmm. but not necessarily all games or all or all movies or all all musics. Right. No, I, I see what you're saying. I, I could see them wanting to go down that road if um, they end up seeing it as a way to sell Steam machines. Mm. Like that could that could be a sticker on the box, but it would still be weird. Like either way, I don't necessarily see how this could heavily disrupt the game business so much as just um, bring in more people, more revenue from more products being on Steam with more trading cards. But um, I guess people are going to be paranoid about Steam wanting to market itself to the mainstream and, you know, movies and TV shows and music that kind of that kind of carries that vibe with it. But like Steam by themselves, they don't make the games on Steam, and and those really shouldn't go away if they are also selling movies and TV shows on Steam in yeah. the hypothetical future that has not been officially announced yet. Right. right. Um, there is um, another. Yeah. Just uh, to clarify, online game store that tried digital media, original digital media, and that was GameTap, and that didn't mm-hmm. work out so great. <laughs> um, I, they had. Game, or I believe they had Space Ghost episodes that would, where Space Ghost would introduce new games to the platform, and that was that was such a weird service. Like I find it hard to remember what they sold. Like I saw commercials and marketing for it everywhere, but I never knew what their product was. It was sort of like GOG before GOG existed, and also Mm -hmm. um, subscription based. So it was like you could have access to a bunch of old emulated Sega Genesis games and a few other old classic titles. Um, and that was kind of it. It was just sort of streaming oldish stuff to you. Uh-huh. Uh, so but it was lost it money streamed? And, or did no, you, it wasn't streamed like that. It was streamed in the sense the that like, okay. you, you downloaded <laughs> it through their client. Sort of like Steam okay. is. But then all the stupid movies like the Space Ghost stuff was streamed. That was like YouTubed to you. Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, even then, like, the the streaming videos you see on YouTube, aren't they saved to a, um, like, cache somewhere? It's still technically downloaded when you watch it, but... Well, that, yeah. whatever, that's just that's just a technicality. Well, um, I guess what I'm saying is, what would be interesting to me is whether or not the TV shows means, like, I don't know, crappy... <laughs> like reality TV shows about video game people playing video games. Like, are they going to put Sony's the tester. the tester on? Yeah, the tester. Oh. Are they going to put the tester on here, or is TV series going to be something more like Valve being able to make their own content and put it up? You know, uh, that TF2 Adult Swim series that was never really picked up but was kicking around for a while. Something like mm. that. That would yeah. be interesting because um, that might be a more valuable place for that show to live than or more Val. What what am I looking for? Valuable, valent, valuable. I like that. It it might be a more feasible place for a Team Fortress Two show to live than on Adult Swim because they have a guaranteed audience here of probably a comparable size. Hmm. Um, in other news, and this Mm -hmm. is kind of pushing pushing it to the the limits here. Like that song in GTA Three, yeah. um, a Swedish dad took his took his kids to the Middle East to teach them about war after after getting upset about them playing too many video games. Yeah, this was a very interesting story. As far as the story goes, uh, the kids really wanted to play the new Call of Duty game. I think it was Ghosts at the time. This is like from a while ago. Yeah, it was, and it was only recently the like current broke. conflict yeah. between <laughs> Israel and Palestine. Now, that's that's keynote here. They didn't actually take yeah. them to a live war zone so much as a war-torn region. Right. That, yeah, that's the thing is like this article and like the story is like is like relevant and breaking now and like over the past like week, but but they it, went on this the trip happened like last forever year. ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um but like the the this guy's kids wanted to play the new Call of Duty and so he was like like, if you promise to go with me to, like, see what, like, a war, 
like a war zone, like a real like war torn area is actually like and like learn about war for real, then I'll let you play Call of Duty if you want. And, and they the, were like, they're like, you're not going to do that. And then he's like, yeah, I will. Like, seriously. And they're like, OK. And so they went to I, I think it was both Israel and Palestine. Right. The the twist is that he was a journalist, so he had right. access and experience with with navigating these areas. But, yeah, he visited um refugee camps around around that that sort of area and i think the incentive was if they went on the trip with him they'd be able to play as much as they wanted whereas before he was limiting it uh-huh. but when they got back home they he says they didn't want to play any of it at all yeah you Which, know it must really interesting it must have been so much easier like 20 years ago when kids were playing duke nukem and they'd make them stop playing that you just had to take them to the local strip club and teach <laughs> them about that just to teach oh, them how like pitiful a character like duke nukem actually is oh gosh <laughs> this is who you want to be jimmy and it's a guy that's at a strip club at like three in the afternoon already half drunk <laughs> But yeah, I, I people were like, <laughs> of course, this is the internet. People were yeah. up in arms about about how terrible this dad is. But I'm like, no, I, I dig it. Good on him. Yeah. I, I'm like, it's a rather extreme way to do this. But like, he's a guy who, like, if I'm correct, he was like a journalist in an, in an active war zone at one point. Yeah. Like, has real experience with that kind of stuff. And like, he knew what he was doing. And yeah, like it's a bit extreme, but like, I don't know, it's like an interesting and like seems like a good way to handle the situation. It seems like it actually brought about like knowledge to his kids. Yeah, yeah, ultimately it's not necessarily about how much video games they play so much as imparting values on them and like teaching them the consequences of of horrible things like war and stuff and i don't know like this this reminds me a lot of what um i don't know if your guys's parents ever did this but a lot of the people i grew up with and i our parents would take us to the habitat for humanity houses to like build houses in really poor neighborhoods for people who couldn't afford them as a way to like expose them and um to to real world issues like poverty and kind of uh encourage them not to have not encourage kids not to have super materialistic values you know yeah yeah really this cool. is like it, it it seems like that same situation just taken to a super duper extreme <laughs> but still has the same intention at heart so i'm like mm-hmm. yay yeah, I don't no, know. I think, it's, I think it's cool. Like, like I imagine that that now that this is happening, these kids all of a sudden are going to develop an interest in politics and um, mm-hmm. in history that they might not have before. Maybe they'll grow up to be good writers or journalists or politicians or something if they mm-hmm. hadn't have taken the trip. So whatever, we'll see. That's like butterfly effect stuff. But right. But I dig it. So what you're <laughs> saying is, Call of Duty is shaping the world leaders of tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, no, no. <laughs> Did, um, does Chris write for Kotaku? <laughs> you could, you could make a headline out of it. What the kids of tomorrow could learn from Call of Duty. Oh, no. Let's not go down that road. What blank blank could learn from blank blank. If you, if you are not in on the joke, Polygon released an article the other week that was unfortunately titled what unfortunately <laughs> what uh, what watchdogs can teach us about the Ferguson conflict and they've since changed the title because that's just ridiculous but uh, yeah okay, yeah that's all I have to say on that anyways what can anyway. teach us about blood diamonds oh <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of one. I'm trying to think of one. <laughs> trying to input your own your own variation. What Donkey Kong could teach us about global warming? Oh boy! Oh god! <laughs> the problem is that's actually halfway believable. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's they're not hard to come up with. Just take like some super childish, innocuous, innocent thing and and tack and a real up. world issue onto it. Oh boy! Um, let's see. Let's see. What else is going on in the world? Um. Ukraine. All right, let's see. What's what's childish and innocuous, um, and also a video game. Well, don't bring up Flight Simulator. Whatever you do. Oh. What Rock Simulator could teach us about? Now let's see. What's a related geological issue in the world? A, about strip mining. There you there go. There you go. All right. There you go. Done. 
All right, I'm I'm gonna be sending my pitches after print, after print. we finish out tonight. So Post uh, it. yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> that that means I should get started on that. In the meantime, <laughs> I think we are starting to run our time thin here. We are. Aww. Thanks to all of you lovely listeners for listening, and remember that you can find us all on our YouTube at our respective channels. I'm Bunny mm-hmm. Hop Show. I am Sunder Gamer, and I'm technically I'm Camster, I guess is, is the channel name, but uh, it's Aaron <laughs> yeah, Signal. Yeah. You know, you know what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what it is. So, you know what um, it is. And if you, the listener, have anything you want to chime in about, please do it in the forums. We read those things. And um, rate us five stars on iTunes because we love you and we love that, and that really helps us out. It really does. <laughs> um. So, yeah, the site it's it's still. Uh, how 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 is that, Jimmy? How's, we're how's making, the site working We're making these some days? behind the scenes headway. Okay. It's a it's a long and stressful process, but it's actually going somewhere, and it's actually like work is being done. I will like there will be visible updates for the people who are looking for updates on the site when they are available. Like as soon as there's like concrete information that we don't like, we don't want to be like, oh, it's fixed, and then suddenly like. It's actually not. And then we have to, like, backpedal. So we're only going to, like, release information on the site when the site is actually, like, ready to go. But it's happening. It's in the process. It works. It, Excellent. It, it works. Excellent. So until then, we hope to see you in the forums, which are running as smoothly as they always do. And mm-hmm. we hope to see you next week. So wait, have wait, a good... But, but not next What's week. Because we won't oh, be yeah, here next week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because Dragon Con. Right. Yeah, I'll actually be um, attending a media orientation at the time of um, the podcast next week. So we're actually going to be skipping a week for next... The week <laughs> after. I hope it's okay. But at least we're letting you know this time. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And then the week after that... We'll be back, and George will have all kinds of neat Dragon Con things to talk about. Crazy Dragon Con stories. <laughs> will there be <laughs> if cosplay? If those happen, they actually me and my friends are dressing up as something for the first time ever. Heck yes! But I don't want to say what it is until it is revealed to the world. Take pictures if you if you can meet Vulpin Props. I think he's going to be at Dragon Con. He like always goes. If you can find him and meet him, tell him hi from me. I will tell him hi for you. Thank you. All right. Have a good week, everybody. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.